Welcome to River Ridge Church. My name is Matt, if we haven't met. And uh, it's funny that uh, 20 for 20 video thing about home groups. And Stacey and I have been in a home group since the first week that River Ridge started 20 years ago. And the very first one that we were in had a bunch of little kids in it. And so the adults would do um, like home group upstairs. And then the kids in the basement, about, I don't know, 20 or 50 of them or something like that. I think there was like eight, but it felt like that. But they would uh, put together a play every day, every week. And then they'd come up and they'd perform the play for us. So man, what great memories. If you're not in a group, uh, man, get in a group. It is a great way to just connect with people relationally. So welcome for you guys who are here. Welcome if you are watching online. Uh, before we get into the message, a couple of things that I just want to celebrate together. Uh, the first is that Riverage Church is now on Spotify. How about that, huh? Pretty cool. Yes. Apparently we have arrived. I don't know where we've arrived, but we've arrived somewhere. So, um, but it's a great way if you uh, have the Spotify app, you can load River Ridge as a favorite. Uh, it'll come up every week. And if you are here, you can listen to it again or just ignore it. Or if you're not here, it'll remind you to listen to it. And so we started uh, uh, on Spotify. You can find the uh, Where the Church series is the first one that on there. And then it'll go forward after that. The other thing uh, to celebrate, don't put this up there yet, Ben, um, is uh, so one of the things that happens is people will put notes in the offering boxes, right? And I kind of have, I have a, I don't kind of have a, I have a policy that if somebody puts an anonymous note in there, uh, rip it up and don't show it to me, right? So if you complain about the song or the sermon or the music or the lights or whatever, and you don't put your name, like, I have never seen that. Like, that's just my policy because we can't argue about it if, uh, if you don't give me your name. However, uh, this week, an anonymous note did make it through the offering box into my office, and I wanted to show you this. I thought this was pretty cool. You are the best church. So I don't know what child or adult with bad handwriting wrote that, but <laughs> that kind of made my day this week. So, um, hey, if you are new this morning, if this is your first Sunday ever at River Ridge, welcome. Glad that you are here. Uh, if you have been around for a while and maybe missed the last couple weeks, uh, we're in a sermon series titled, We Are the Church. And our theme verse for this series has been this. This is John chapter 14. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. And so we look at this and we say, we know what the church is to be about by looking at the life of Jesus. And what Jesus did, we as a church want to imitate that because we are the body of Christ here on this earth. Um, and so this morning we're going to look at Matthew chapter 11 if you want to open up to that. And we're going to see an uh, interaction that Jesus had uh, with John the Baptist in a, kind of a weird way. Uh, and then how that applies to us as doing what God has called us to do as a church. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for this morning. Thank you uh, just for the worship. Man, how awesome that was to just enter into worship with that focus uh, of the resurrected Christ and the power that that has in our lives to give us freedom and life and all that you want us to live for. God, as we look into your word this morning, I pray that you would show us uh, how you want us to apply this in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, most likely you are familiar with John the Baptist, okay? So John the Baptist, he is not the one who wrote the Gospel of John, nor did he write 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John at the end of your New Testament, at the end of the Bible. Uh, but John the Baptist uh, came and he, his role was to announce Jesus, right? And so he came and he was sort of like the original hippie, right? So he wore this camel's clothes kind of cloth thing. He ate locust. He ate honey. He lived in kind of the wilderness. Uh, but he came and proclaimed, he said, Jesus is coming after me. 
Jesus is coming after me. And he baptized people, including Jesus. And his, the baptism that he gave was a baptism basically of repentance, saying, turn from your ways and follow God. It was a baptism of repentance. Well, after Jesus came on the scene, John baptized Jesus. Uh, and then John, for the most part, fades into the background. But there's a couple of snapshots of him. Uh, and so one of the things he did, again, he was a guy that was about repentance. And so he spoke this message, this kind of prophetic message to repent, of repentance to all sorts of people. And one of the people that he spoke this message to was King Herod. And King Herod was the king of this area around Judea, right? And so he was the king there. And so John the Baptist went to him, and John, uh, Herod was sleeping with his brother Philip's wife, right? And the details aren't super clear whether they were divorced and then he married her or whether it was an extramarital affair. We're not quite sure. But John the Baptist went to Herod and said, you can't do that. You can't sleep with Philip's wife, whether it's ex-wife or current wife, we're not quite sure. He said, you can't do that. And then Herod, King Herod replied, John, you can't tell me what to do. You're going to jail. And so John the Baptist is in jail and Herod has put him there. That's where we pick up the story in Matthew chapter 11, verse 2. It says this. It says, now when John heard in prison about the deeds of of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And so John sends word by his disciples to Jesus and says, Are you the one that we should look for? Are you the one to come, or should we look for another? Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a meeting like this, but sometimes I'm in a meeting with people who are pretty smart and pretty intuitive, and somebody will ask a question. And then somebody who's kind of got some wisdom, been around the block for a bit, will say, well, what's the question behind the question? And I think this is one of the situations where John asked this question. He says, are you the one to come or shall we look for another? But there's a question or a couple of questions that I think are behind that. I think part of John, what John is wondering, he's wondering, did I back the right guy? Like, is this the guy or did I kind of miss it and there's somebody coming like after Jesus, did I, did I back the right guy? I think the other part that he's the question behind the question is he's sitting in jail going, is this really the Messiah? Because if this was the Messiah, it doesn't seem like I would be sitting here rotting in jail if Jesus was the Messiah. He would have the power to get me out. And then the other question behind the question I think is woven through this is, and we've talked about this a little bit over the last um, number of months, but the, the Jews were expecting a conquering Messiah, one that would come and lead them to rise up and overthrow the Romans and kick the Romans out of their country. And I think there's a bit of John the Baptist wondering, like, when is this going to happen? When is Jesus going to rise up, overthrow the Romans? Because this isn't happening yet because I'm in King Herod, a Roman, his jail. What's going on? So he sends word, says, are you the one or is there one to come? And here's how Jesus responds. And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. Remember the message series, We Are the Church. We look at the life of Jesus, and we say, How can we imitate the life of Jesus? And what I love about this passage 
is that Jesus gives a picture of his own words of what his life looks like. Now, John's disciples, they go to Jesus and says, are you the one or is there one to come after you? Jesus' most simple answer could have been, yes, I am. Right? Are you the Messiah? Why, yes, I am. Go tell John. But he doesn't do that. He says, go tell John what you see and hear that I'm healing people, that I'm healing the blind, that I'm preaching the good news to the poor. Go tell him that, and then he will know. So we ask the question, we are the church, what is the church to do? We're to do what Jesus did. Now, I don't have the ability to heal blind people or lepers. I can preach to the poor, but I don't have the ability to do some of these miracles. But what we do that Jesus did is Jesus loved well. He came across these people and he loved them well. And we as a church, we are called to love people well, to love our community well, to love the world well in the way that Jesus loved well. When it comes to River Ridge Church, part of the role that I wear as pastor and leader is to evaluate, say, how do we do as a church, and where does God want to take us as a church? And so as I look at River Church and this idea that the church is to love well, I feel like this is something that we do very well most of the time. And I'll kind of give you a couple of pictures, visual pictures of this uh, as I think about how River Church loves well. One is when it comes to missions. When it comes to missions, and we've got a picture here, like we love well. I don't know if you know this, but over the last year, we have given $100,000 away to missions around the world, in our state, in our community. That is loving well. Another way that we love well is on the west side. If you look at what we've been doing on the west side, I think we've got a picture there too. Uh, over the last five or six years, we have been loving really well. That each week we serve meals to kids. We've served hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of meals to kids on the west side. And we have a group of folks that go uh, after school and help these kids learn to read and to write and to do math and to learn to spell. A few years ago, we realized that as kids aged out of the Second Avenue Center, we're like, where do they go? How can we help? And so we put a shoulder behind uh, a group called Midian Leadership. And they bought a building uh, about a year and a half ago. Uh, and we put a huge shoulder behind that financially as a church. A lot of individuals in here put a shoulder behind that financially uh, to help that place get off the ground. And it's doing fantastic. The church is loving well. The Dollar Club. For the last two and a half years, we have blessed individuals and organizations who are in need because once a month everybody gives an extra dollar or two dollars or ten dollars or however much you give and we pull all of that money with our River Ridge, Char or River Ridge Taze Valley campus uh, and we bless somebody's life with that. That is loving well. So I look around River Ridge Church when I think about students and kids ministry. There are volunteers here who do this so well that love on high school kids and middle school kids and elementary kids and, and rock babies and all of those things, that is loving well. Think about go local. Every month we have a team of people that go out in the community and do all sorts of things. They you know, clean dog cages, they plant uh, plants, they spread mulch, they do all kinds of things, clean, paint. We have a group that goes out and just loves people and organizations in this community really, really well. And so if we were to say, hey, John the Baptist is sitting out at South Central Regional Jail 
out past Southridge. And we would go to him and, and he would say, he'd kind of send word and he'd say, is River Ridge Church doing God's will? Is River Ridge Church really, you know, part of Jesus' family? Are they doing what they're supposed to do? And we would go back to him. The reply sent back would be, the gospel is being shared in Kenya, in Haiti, in Moldova, and throughout all of West Virginia. Brothers and sisters on the west side are being helped. The Dollar Club is helping people in crisis. Kids and students and adults are learning to put their hope in Jesus. And Go Local teams are practically loving our community. That's the answer. I love what God is doing through River Ridge Church in our community. But here's the thing is, we're not done yet. There is something major in front of us that we still have to go, and probably a lot more, but something that's in the immediate future. If you've ever read um, the book of Revelation, we all read that and we're like, man, that doesn't make any sense. But chapter 2 and 3 are actually very practical when you read chapter 2 and 3 of Revelation. And what it is, is John, and he is, uh, I'm sorry, it's Jesus giving these kind of letters or these commands to these churches, right? And there's a pattern or a formula that's, that's followed. And he says, I hold, he says, you do this well right? And then he'll say what they do well. And then he'll say, but I hold this against you. And he will give a pretty strong rebuke to the church at Laodicea or Smyrna or whatever church it is. This you do well, but I hold this against you. And as I think in terms of the context of Riverage Church, this is what I believe that Jesus would say to us. He says, you do this well. You love your community. You love the world. You love people well but I hold this against you. You do not love your neighbor well, okay? You do not love your neighbor well. And let me tell you what I mean by that. And I'm gonna give you kind of where this comes from. Uh, Luke chapter 10, a lawyer comes to Jesus and says, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, what do you think? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, that's right, go do it. And then the lawyer says, ah, I need to kind of justify myself. Who exactly is my neighbor? And then Jesus tells what is probably the most famous parable ever told. It's such a famous parable that we have laws that are named after this parable. He tells this parable of the Good Samaritan. And so we have the Good Samaritan, and the Good Samaritan helps a man stranded by the side of the road who's been beat up by robbers. And he helps him in tremendous ways, at great risk to himself, at great time to himself, and also spending great money and expense to himself as he turns him over to an innkeeper and says, take care of him and I'll pay you whatever it takes. So the parable ends, and then there's a dialogue between Jesus and the lawyer. And Jesus says this, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell? among the robbers. He said, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. You see, the point of the parable is that followers of Jesus are to love their neighbors well. And most of the time when we think about this parable, we think in terms of a figurative sense or like love your figurative neighbors, whoever they are, not your physical, literal, geographic neighbors. But I want us to see this parable this morning of love your neighbor well in a physical geographical sense. And here's what I mean. 
is we have been as Rivers Church here at 2090 Greenbrier Street for about 15 years, just a little bit more. And we have been right next to Capitol High School for all these 15 years. And as I look at how we as a church do in terms of reaching out and loving and caring, is we don't do well in loving Capitol High School. Now, not that we do terrible, not that we're out there, you know, doing donuts in their parking lot and toilet paper in their trees and disparaging the walls and that kind of thing. Not that way. Um, But the fact is that we as a church have done virtually nothing to be a good neighbor to Capitol High School. And so I'm telling you today that that's going to change. That we as a church are going to love Capitol High School in lots of different ways. As you think about Capitol High School, or really any high school, as you think about Capitol High School, there are all sorts of different groups that kind of are there. There are the administrators, right? There's teachers who put in long, hard hours. There's all the service personnel from bus drivers to cooks to janitors and those types of folks, secretaries. There are counselors. There are specialists. There's all different folks there. There are students there. There are, I think, 1,400 students at Capitol High School. There's coaches. There's athletic teams. There's the band. There's all of these opportunities to love our neighbor down the street. And we're going to begin to do that, including just the facilities. You know, we do these go local projects. We're going to look for how can we do some go local projects at Capitol High School and just help them with their grounds and come alongside them in whatever they need and however they want to do that. I don't know exactly what this is going to look like. I know two things. First of all, we've hired Calissa Bannister as our outreach director, and she's going to spearhead some things there and mobilize us. And the second is that we've put a portion of our budget towards doing that, towards loving Capitol High School. What that looks like, I'm not sure. But what I want to say that we're committing to today, all of us, is saying we want to love our neighbors at Capitol High School the way that Jesus loved the world around him. So when you walked in, you got a little card. uh, I think it's a little quarter sheet card that says pray for Capitol High School. That's where we're going to start. We're going to pray for Capitol High School. It's got something to pray for, uh, I think, all seven days of the week on that card. Uh, And then if you're thinking, I'd like to be more involved. uh, And again, we're not totally sure what that's going to look like. You can go to uh, riverridge.church and our sign up for anything button. And and there towards the top, it says, I want to be part of the the Capitol, loving Capitol, the Capitol High School Initiative. Uh, to be a part of that. You know, as we talk about loving well, um, I don't know that anybody has loved well uh, at Riverridge Church uh, better than Betsy Shock. Um, Betsy Shock has loved kids well. Uh, she has loved parents well. She has loved kids on the west side well. She has loved kids and adults in Haiti well. Um, she has loved well. Uh, she has also loved Rick Ellingsworth very well. Um, and so they're getting married, and she is moving to Ohio um, in a couple of weeks. Uh, but I wanted to take today to celebrate her uh, and to give Betsy, come on up, Betsy, uh, just a few minutes to share with you her heart, because I think she is um, just a shiny example of what it means um, to love well. So let's give a little warm welcome to Betsy. Um, but I do want to share, and it's kind of hard to even begin to express my heart 
full of gratitude to all of you because you're my River Ridge family. And it has been a beautiful journey and transformation that I've had here for the last 19 years. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I took my youngest daughter to college. And before our final goodbyes and hugs, we tearfully sat on a bench right outside of her dorm. And she wanted to just sit there with me and say, Mom, I'm so thankful for all you've given me and shown me. And she wanted to know that as she started her new chapter, that I knew my role in getting her to where she was today. And so right now, I feel like we're sitting on that bench. All of you who are very connected to me in some way or another, all of you and me, and I want to pour out my heart to you and to tell you thank you and share how God has shaped me at River Ridge Church through all of you and how you've made me who I am today. It has been an absolutely amazing transformation in my life. Before River Ridge, I did not know how to pursue the Lord or people. I didn't know how to pray nor how to participate in all of his glorious plans. And Matt says that I love people well. And that's the me now. But when I first walked through the doors at River Ridge, I couldn't love my neighbor as myself because I didn't really know how to love myself. I'm so grateful to River Ridge Church for showing me how to pursue God. I had no idea who God was because I never understood that he wanted a relationship with me. I started attending River Ridge in 2003. And as I sat in the Capitol Theater downtown on Sunday mornings, listening to the sermons and praising and worship, for the first time in my life, church became engaging and relevant rather than distant and foreign. I began to realize God wanted more. He wanted me more than just church on Sunday mornings. I was invited to and I began to attend a women's small group Bible study. I remember we were reading the book Captivating, and the author kept referencing when God talked to her. And I wanted God to talk to me. I wanted to hear him. And I wanted to experience what the, all the women in this group had that I didn't seem to have. And I just began to pray that simple pray, prayer every day. God, I just want to hear you. And one morning, he woke me very early when it was still dark. And he nudged me to get up and to read my Bible. I didn't know what to read. Barely even knew the books of the Bible. And he directed me to Song of Songs, which was a love story, love letter written just for me. And as I read the words, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. I read, and as he told me again and again his great love for me and how beautiful I am, I read, and the tears flowed, and I felt so loved and so accepted by him. I read the entire book, and then I opened the curtains in the living room to have the most magnificent, magnificent sunrise painted in the sky. It was God's gift just for me. I finally grasped and knew and understood that God wanted my love and had been waiting for me to turn to see him, to listen, to hear his voice. I began to read my Bible and believe what he said about me. And this was only possible by the ways I was being immersed at River Ridge Church. I wasn't only pursued by the God of the universe, but by those in this church. 
They saw the gifts in me. They believed in me, encouraged me, and invited me to get involved more and more. I began to embrace the verse that Matt just said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now I could chase after the one who made me and who gives me life to the full. And I was finally able to chase after and love others. I learned that we have to make it personal first. That we can't give to our family or to those around us what we don't have in ourselves. I began to fill up first thing each morning with God and soak it all in. It was so beautiful to accept God's awesome love and what he said about me so I could pour that same love to those around me. River Ridge opened up my eyes to see myself and others the way he does, as incredibly flawed and desperate for our Savior. A passion grew to share this good news with all around me by my words and actions. And God is very direct in how he tells us his great love for us, and I learned how to be direct in sharing my love for others too. This church taught me how to pray. In the early days of coming here, I heard the leaders in the church pray. I heard those I served with to pray. I heard people in my women's group and home group, everybody prayed. They prayed out loud, and they said they prayed for me and for others. But the only prayers I had, never, I had ever known were that now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep, or God is great, God is good, right before eating. And I knew the Lord's Prayer, but I had no idea how to pray. I didn't know how to talk to God, yet I was so eager to learn, and I wanted to hear more from him as he had wowed me with the song of songs and the sunrise. And even after getting very involved with serving in groups, I felt like my prayers wouldn't compare to those around me. I would just sit there while the other people prayed, and I remained quiet in any group prayers because I was scared. I remember talking with Matt about it one day and admitting to him my fears. I just don't know how to pray out loud. And he knows that I run a lot. And he said to me, well, why don't you just start talking to God out loud while you're out running, Betsy? And I did. And it started to be natural for me to share all my heart out loud with my father. It was transformational, and it changed my life as I learned how to pray and give thanks. Praying out loud drew me closer. And another way I learned how to pray was when Zach Brady was here on staff in 2012. I had just started writing some blogs after some trips to Haiti, and he asked me if I wrote in a journal, which I did not. He encouraged me to get one. And he said, you need to start writing in that every single day, Betsy. So I got one at the start of 2013. And I began writing verses and my prayers out to God, gratitude lists, anything and everything. As I wrote, I learned how to acknowledge my feelings, my fears, my worries. And that's the first step for any of us is to realize and recognize our weaknesses. As we bring light to the darkness and bring things to the surface, only then can we surrender, repent, and seek change in our lives. Praying in my journal each day and every day has drawn me closer and closer to the Lord.
And as I prayed in the quiet by myself, out loud in a group or by writing in my journal, I learned just how deep a relationship he wants with his sons and daughters. I learned how to speak and be still and how to listen. And that as I pray for certain things, he reveals how he needs me to participate. I learned here at River Ridge Church how to dive right in and participate fully by serving. And that serving didn't mean having it all together. Serving meant coming as I was with all my weaknesses and flaws and allowing God to work in me. Serving meant stepping out of my comfort zone time and time again. Serving meant total surrender. For me, serving at River Ridge Church has looked like leading a small group of kindergarten girls in River Camp when I could barely name the books of the Bible and having God teach me right alongside those kids. Serving at River Ridge Church has looked like saying in 2010, here I am, Lord, to be the family ministry director. I don't know how to do this, but I know you'll lead me and seeing how he has every step of the way. Serving at River Ridge Church has looked like leading Big Kick soccer camp, knowing not the first thing about soccer, to all of a sudden, in one summer, leading four Big Kick soccer camps on the west side in Sissonville, Elkview, and South Hills, with hundreds of kids hearing the gospel. Serving at River Ridge Church has looked like saying, hmm, I think maybe we should add a mission trip to Haiti and being told, yeah, that's a great idea. Why don't you lead it, Betsy? And having God connect us with Young Life Haiti and Sisters of Charity with so many relationships made as dozens from River Ridge have served there since 2011. Serving at River Ridge Church, this is like in 2017, heading to the Second Avenue Center to offer homework buddies at meal teams and having my eyes and heart opened and broken to the challenges so many in our community face to learn how to love and make a difference. This church taught me how to participate boldly and truly what it means to go all in with a teachable spirit. This church taught me how to say yes. I didn't know what I was doing when I said yes to all those things. And I could name so many, many more that I didn't know what to do or how to do it. I've been in so many situations that I didn't know what to say. But in all of them, I knew the one who would give me the strength, the wisdom, the power, the love, and the guidance to do them. To participate means to share and engage. And full participation with people here at River, River Ridge means you cannot do life alone. This church has given me so many groups and friends through the years to share every single life experience with. It has been amazing to me to see how God places the people around us who, as we share, we realize we have experienced the same brokenness and we can encourage one another through it. I felt these in my small groups and in my serving groups. The more we share our troubles, the more we see those around us have already been there or they're getting ready to be there. At River Ridge, I have learned how to be vulnerable with myself, with God, and with all of you. Participating is being able to give yourself wholeheartedly to others 
and also being able to accept the same love and help yourself. As I have given, I have also received. You all have been the hands and feet of Jesus to me. I have raised my children here, and you all have been the circle around them. You've helped me parent and given me the support I needed as a single mom. Several years ago, in a very difficult season of my life, many of you came to my home and spent days giving it an amazing base lift, giving me hope and love to face the trials. It was those days that taught me how to receive the same type of love that I was so able to freely give. It's easier to give time, money, and resources. It's easy to deny yourself the gifts that you give. It takes a humble heart to learn how to accept it from others. You all taught me that it is okay to ask for help and how to receive it. This church has given me life, and you all are the church, and you are my family. You have given me love like no other and shaped me into who I am today. You all have made me ready for my new beginnings. You prayed for it, and you have prepared me for all the amazing God has in store for me. I pray for each of us to be, re to be reminded and constantly pursue God, pursue people, to pray and to boldly participate in his plans. I thank each one of you for teaching me those very things.